Thank everybody for uh, coming and for staying today. Turn please with me to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19, and we'll start reading in verse 12. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth, and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Skip down to verse 24. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Turn please to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12 and verse 21. Acts chapter 12 and verse 21. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God, not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms, and gave up the ghost. Turn please to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and I'll start reading at verse 28. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot, underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he, is, he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done this despite under the Spirit of grace? 
For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Verse 31 is what I'm very interested in. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Turn please to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Turn please to Romans chapter 1 for our next to last reading. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And turn please for a final reading in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I won't read the rest of the verse because that's the piece I'm interested in. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? The title I have over my message today is God's Judgment. And I've read in several places examples of God's judgment, swift and severe. And we've also read about what will happen to those that are not saved. And we've read that there is salvation that is available and that we need to get that salvation. The first place we read in Genesis chapter 19, we read about Sodom and Gomorrah, a very, very sinful, two very, very sinful cities. Sin of the worst kind imaginable. I would say that Sodom and Gomorrah were worse than the present world today in terms of the sin that they had fallen into. We're not far behind, but it was a very, very, very evil place. And God saw that it was evil and that there was nothing good whatsoever in those cities. There was a man who was there in those cities named Lot, and God warned him that he was going to destroy these cities because there was nothing but sin in these places. And God warned him, and then it happened. Lot tried to warn others, tried to warn his sons-in-law, and they mocked him. They said, you're nuts, you know, it's not going to happen. And they were consumed when that city was burnt up. Only Lot and his immediate family of his wife and daughters were saved from those cities. 
from that awful destruction that took place there. God brought immediate judgment on that place for the awful sin that they were committing. Now I want to bring this closer to you because I want you to think, well, I want you to think about yourself and we know that God judges sin. God doesn't always judge sin immediately the way that he did there in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah where he on this earth struck or consumed it with fire. But at some point everybody everybody will face God's judgment. And you'll when you face God's judgment, if you have not availed yourself of salvation, what will happen to you for eternity is worse than what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. You will be in hell for eternity. You will be in a place of everlasting torment for eternity. Now you might be thinking to yourself, the sins that were in Sodom and Gomorrah, and I would would bet that there's nobody here that is into the kind of sin and the depth of sin that was there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, I'm not as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm not as bad as the people that were there. So what do I have to worry about? Well, at the end of that story, we read there, and and his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. That means... She looked back on those burning cities where they came from, where I'm sure she had some friends and family, and where she probably partook in some of the sin that was there. She looked back upon it, and just for looking at it, she was turned into a pillar of salt. God's swift judgment came upon her, and she was judged right there. So what does that mean? I doubt that she partook of the gross sin that was rampant throughout that city. I doubt she was free from sin, but I doubt she partook of the gross sin. So she wasn't nearly as bad, I'm sure, as all the rest of the people in that city. But yet she looked back upon it, which meant that she wasn't, she was a little bit upset and sad that she had to leave it. And she looked upon all that sin longingly, and for that she was judged. We read in the Bible that the thought of foolishness is sin. So not only do you have to be saved because of sins you commit, but you also need to be saved because of sins that you think of and for looking upon sin as being a desirable thing. That's sin. And you will be judged for it. Whether you're in the category of being one of those sinners like we're in Sodom and Gomorrah or whether you're in the category of being Lot's wife and simply disobeying God and looking upon something looking back on that city with all the sin there, you'll be judged in both cases. And in both cases, if you're not saved, you're going to be condemned. In Acts chapter 12 we read, as we move on, we read about another judgment that happened very quickly. And it was Herod, who was a very evil, evil man, killed many Christians, tried to squash out the gospel, tried to set himself up as a god, a very evil man. And one day he was making this grand speech, and 
it must have been very impressive in terms of the people that were listening. They must have really thought it was amazing because they said, this isn't even the voice of a man, it's the voice of a God. And what did we read that happened? Immediately, the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. He was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Judgment was brought very quickly upon, upon Herod. A very evil man did a lot of very evil things. And judgment was brought upon him. But you know what? What's interesting to me here is that the reason why the judgment was brought upon him so quickly was not for all of the evil things that he had done throughout his life, although that played into it. But what we read here is because he gave not God the glory. So you and your life may not ever do the things that Herod did. You may not ever persecute Christians and try to squash out the gospel. You may not ever do murderous things or whatever the case may be. Herod's judgment came because he gave not God the glory. So let me ask you, are you giving God glory today? Is there any way in which you're bringing glory to God? In the seat where you sit if you're not, a, if you're not saved? You know, we as Christians often don't even bring glory to God. But at least we do sometimes, hopefully. But if you're not saved, you not only don't bring glory to God or give glory to God, but you're trampling on the blood of what He has provided, His Son. You're trampling on His blood by not being saved, by rejecting it. You're essentially telling God that you don't need salvation. You didn't really need the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. Because either A, I'm not a bad sinner, and I don't really need salvation, or B, there's some other way, and I'll get it, and I'll find it. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. In the world that we live in, there are many people that even profess to be Christians, and they're not that say, well, you know, there's multiple ways to be saved. That is the biggest fallacy that there is on the face of the planet. There is no other way to be saved. There is one way, and that is only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, let's go back for a minute. Sodom and Gomorrah, you're not as sinful and as evil as those places. But just looking on it, thinking about it, Bring swift judgment. Herod, very evil man, because he didn't give God glory, he was instantly killed. He was smote, as we read there. But then we read in Hebrews chapter 10, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye Shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God? I want you to think about that. So, for breaking Moses' law, which is the law that we are not under because of the grace of God and because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, for breaking Moses' law, you could die without mercy. That's what this verse says. But how much greater punishment 
do you think you're going to be under? Not for breaking Moses' law. Not for being a sinner, which we all are. But how much greater is the punishment that you're going to be under because you have trampled underfoot the Son of God? That's what the verse says. I'm not using other language there. Trodden underfoot the Son of God is exactly the words that are written there. You realize that's what you're doing today? Do you realize that when you sit in the gospel meeting week in and week out and you choose not to get saved? You know, you, you make a decision whether you are making it, whether you think you're making a decision or not. You're making a decision. Every week when you come in here and listen to the gospel and when it's presented to you, and you decide, well, I guess I'll get saved another time. You're making a decision. You're trampling underfoot the Son of God. You're telling God that, you know what? I don't think I need the salvation that you're offering today. Now, hopefully none of you have said, I don't think I ever need the salvation which is being offered, because that would be even worse. But even so... Why are you trampling underfoot the Son of God even now, even for an instant? How much sore the punishment, suppose ye, shall be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot the Son of God? Friend, the judgment that was brought on these people that we've read here, that was brought on the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, was judgment that was brought on this earth. The judgment that was brought on Herod was judgment that was brought on this earth. You may not see judgment brought on you on this earth. But you will see judgment in eternity. You will see the wrath of God in eternity because you have trampled underfoot the Son of God. He died on the cross. He died on the cross and suffered greatly there. The physical sufferings that He passed through as those nails were nailed through His hands and His feet and as that spear would pierce His side that crown of thorns would be platted into his head before he would be put on that cross, that lash would open his back. The sufferings that he passed through, even just the physical sufferings that he went through, to buy your soul, to provide you for salvation, is tremendous. And then when we think about the sufferings, not even the physical, but beyond the physical, as God would pour out His wrath for your sins and mine upon Him. Friend, He suffered there for your sins. He suffered there for your sins so that you never have to. But if you don't believe in it, and if you don't put your trust in it, you're essentially telling God, I didn't really need you to send your son to die on the cross. Put it in those terms. Think about it like that. That's what you're telling God. There's more important things to me, God, than getting saved today. There's more important things than getting saved tomorrow, but someday I'd like to. When I come to the end of my life and as I've lived my life, I think I'd like to get saved. Well, that'd be all nice if we knew when our lives were going to end, but we don't. And we also have no guarantee that you're going to have any interest in salvation when you come to the end of your life. You know, I look back on my own 
personal testimony. And I used to be very concerned about getting saved when I was five, six, seven, eight years old. But then for three or four years, I didn't think about it hardly at all. You know, somebody could get up here and speak a solemn gospel message, and I didn't think about anything. I didn't think that, you know, he's really speaking to me and I really need to be saved. There was a long time where I went through. I was rejecting Christ, and I wasn't even interested. And friend, that is a serious thing if you're not even interested in being saved. See, the Spirit strives with us. The Spirit strives with us, and when you feel a yearning to be saved, when you feel like, I really do need to be saved, I don't want to suffer that judgment, I really do want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I just can't figure out how or whatever the case may be, don't put those thoughts from your mind. Because there's no guarantee that you're ever going to have those thoughts again. And friend, without realizing that you're a lost sinner, and without realizing that you need salvation, you're never going to be saved. How much sore punishment, how much greater punishment are you going to be under? Even you who have heard the gospel week in and week out, how much greater punishment are you going to be under than somebody out in the street who's only heard the gospel once in their life and chooses not to accept it? They may be an awful sinner, and you may not be. But friend, I personally, I think that you're going to suffer more in eternity because you have so many opportunities, so many opportunities to be saved, and yet you reject it. You trample underfoot the Son of God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we read, In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Is that what you want, friend? Do you want to be punished in flaming fire? Do you want to be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord? You know, this world is a sinful place. The sin of this world grows every day. Men get worse and worse. More and more bad things happen. But you know what? It's not near as badly as it could it's not near as bad as it could be. Because there is still the presence of the Lord here. And while men have sinned greatly and continue to sin greatly, his presence is still here. Friend, I want you to think about something. If you pass into eternity and you're not saved and you're in hell, the presence of the Lord is not there at all. You will be banished from His presence and from the glory of His power as we read there. So in addition to suffering for all of your sins, and we do believe that hell is a literal place of great suffering, physical and emotional, suffering. 
It will be so dark there because the Lord Jesus Christ is nowhere near that place. You'll be banished from His presence. And as bad as this world is, as sinful as this world is, and as dark as this world is, it is nothing compared to the darkness that will be in eternity because the presence of the Lord is not there. Is that what you want, friend? Do you want to experience that judgment? Do you want to pass into eternity? Do you want to experience God's swift judgment? I sure certainly hope the answer is no. And the good news is, is nobody has to experience that. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross so that each and every person on this planet can be saved. But God is a loving God. And God is not going to force you to do anything that you don't want to do. So therefore, the choice is yours. God did not create us to be robots that simply do everything to obey His commands. God created us with a free will. And we have the opportunity to choose salvation or not choose it. So friend, you have an opportunity today to choose salvation. We've read about several instances of God's swift judgment upon sin and upon sinful men. But you have an opportunity today to escape all that. It is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth. That's it. God can save by you simply putting your trust in what He has done for you on the cross. That's all that's required to be saved today. You will never have to experience God's judgment for eternity on your soul if you simply believe that what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, that it's enough to take you to heaven. It's enough to pay for your sins. There's no way you could be good enough. There's no way you could do enough works. <clears throat> simply believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave His only beloved Son. He gave Him so that you can be saved. Are you going to accept Him? Or are you going to reject Him? In Hebrews chapter 2, and verse 3 we read, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? What is your plan? What, what are you planning on doing should you come to the end of your life? Should you get into an awful car accident on the way home or something else happen to you? Are you hoping that there's maybe going to be an opportunity right before you pass into eternity or you'll be able to get saved? Is that what you're hoping for? Friend, right now you have an opportunity. I can't guarantee, as nobody can, 
when those opportunities are going to cease. And if the Spirit is striving with you right now, if you're thinking to yourself, I really do need to get saved. I would like to get saved. Don't quench that. Don't wish it away. Don't think of other things. If you feel the need to get saved right now, get saved. It's the easiest thing you can do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just put your trust in it and you can be saved. There's nothing difficult about it. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? There is no escape if you neglect so great salvation. There's no escaping it at all. We have read here how much greater the punishment of him that tramples under the blood, tramples under the Son of God, under his foot. Friend, the judgment that awaits you is awful. The judgment that awaited me was awful. I thank God that he saved me. I thank God that the Spirit strove with me and that finally I didn't tell him to go away, but that I trusted in what the Lord did for me and now I'm saved. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? <laughs>